The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Grab that Halloween candy. It's time for the Eastern Insider. Boy, do we have a treat for you, Alex, and it doesn't even require any tricks. No tricks on this show, just some treats, Greg, because we have a pair of really good interviews coming up on today's show. You always sit down with Coach Creighton. We'll talk about a heck of a performance that they had, his football team had, against Bowling Green this past weekend. 55 points. Coach Creighton was already dressed up as a fry cook, Greg, because he put up a 50-burger on Bowling Green inside Dwight Perry Stadium on the road. A huge win for Eastern Michigan. Keeps them right in the thick of things for the MAC championship race. And then we'll get a chance to talk some baseball as well. Eastern Michigan and Coach Eric Roof just finished up their fall ball campaign. I'll sit down with him to talk about what that looked like. Some key players as his team tries to take the next step in the spring here. And a new addition on the pitching staff as well. The new pitching coach, Aaron Hilt, will talk about Eric Roof's decision to bring him in and what that'll look like moving forward. It should be a really, really exciting show on this Halloween week. No football on Saturday, but that's okay because we get to talk about the Bowling Green game and then we'll look forward to a primetime awesome matchup against Toledo a week from tomorrow. Yeah, you mentioned it. Eastern lights up the Falcons of BG winning. Uh, the score, they give up 24. But the, if you remember, one was a short field after Eastern bobbles short the field. ball. Short field, it was a five-yard field. Yeah, they, after, the, after the penalty, it's at the five. Uh, and then late, they give up a, a garbage-time touchdown. Uh, so it could have been a whole lot bigger of a margin, but – Eastern has never won against Bowling Green like that ever. We know we've talked all too often about milestone performances, and this is a BG team not far removed from back-to-back Mid-American Conference championships. Eastern, that's where they want to get to, uh, and the Eagles will not be satisfied until they get there. No, we know they won't be satisfied. Now, there's a challenge that uh, is in the West Division right now because Northern Illinois, Greg, I mean, if you want to talk about football gods – They have got them on their side. Another unbelievable win this past weekend for the Huskies. They were down big in Mount Pleasant, were able to come back, uh, secure the lead with under a minute to go. And then Central Michigan had a chip shot field goal to win the game, but they couldn't even get the snap off properly. They didn't even get a chance to kick the ball to try to uh, beat the Huskies. And so all that said and done, guess what? They're sitting at 4-0, so you can't take that away from the record is the record. The challenge is four games left. They're going to have to help out a team uh, to be if another team in the West Division wants to come out and be the representative in the MAC championship game. Now they've got a tough road ahead, but Eastern Michigan has to take care of their business and then have a chance uh, to get some help from Northern Illinois. Right now, every other team in the West, though, Greg, is knotted up at 2-2 two and two in conference play. Some tough challenges ahead for Eastern Michigan, we know, but now maybe a great time to be hitting their stride, and then they hope they'll get some help on the back end from some of their conference uh, fellow conference members to take down the Huskies, who really have just escaped multiple games in conference play. Yeah, but they will have two tests coming up uh, as they will see challenges. They are at Kent State and at Buffalo, 
Two easy, not so easy places to win against two very different offenses. One that will like to chuck around that rock as much as you can, and the other one that wants to run the football down your throat. We'll see how Thomas Hammock and company can stop. Well, hey, we'll have to see. That's what makes this conference fun, though, right? I mean, there is no clear-cut winner. Most conferences around the league, Greg, you know, you kind of know who's going to be that team early on. Well, that's not the case in Mid-American Conference play. In fact, Northern Illinois, a team that nobody really had pegged to be a championship contender, but they're certainly doing their job. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be really fun because of all the mid-major conferences, Greg, only one is really playing out their championship race on national television. We know that's the MAC because it's time for the return of MACTION. This is our last Saturday game, was last week against Bowling Green. Now we'll transition to three straight Tuesday night games and then we'll finish on Black Friday. But the conference, it really elevates it when all of America gets to see the MAC battling it out for who will uh, be that championship team uh, come December. Yeah, you think to our interview a few weeks back, Bump Generelli from the MAC, the deputy commissioner and COO, was basically talked about. That's why people love MACTION, is because they know things are going to be at stake. They know teams are going to come up and play their best. Eastern has played their best in November, excluding last year's COVID weird year where you start the year in November. Eastern is 10-4 and four in November, dating back the last five years. Alex, Eastern, the five years before that combined, had a total of eight wins. Uh, that's saying something for the change and how important it is to win down the stretch. Uh, it's, it says a lot, Greg, and it also says uh, that there's that goes a lot into Eastern Michigan's ability to play in postseason bowl games uh, in, in the last few years. A chance now again to become bowl eligible with a win at the Glass Bowl next Tuesday, November 2nd. If Eastern Michigan becomes bowl eligible, Greg, that'll be the fifth time, fourth time under head coach Chris Creighton. Pretty impressive numbers there. And uh, really a chance to do something the program has never done. Uh, three consecutive bowl games, and of course, excluding the conference uh, or the COVID-shortened season. So a really good opportunity to do that. And Eastern Michigan, it would be really special for them to become bowl eligible at the Glass Bowl because Eastern has not won there since 1999, Greg. Uh, that's a, it's a long stretch, 10 straight losses in Toledo. So to be able to avenge that and, and become bowl eligible would be awesome. But I, think I was a freshman in college. <laughs> that shows how well, long I wasn't it's been. going to date you, but since you did it yourself, yes, you were a freshman in college. I was uh, a whole two years old at that time when that uh, w was that when that was the case. But uh, so a really fun opportunity, Greg. And I know that bull eligibility, though, is not the standard that Chris Creighton hopes to set. It's should be the expectation. And there's a lot of football left. They want to get well past six wins. They do. It also does help uh, that there are a lot more bulls than those days back prior. But it's fun to start thinking about the possibilities of where we'll be in November or in December when we have bowl selection. Uh, but plenty of times to still talk about that. We do know there'll be a champion crown this weekend in Ypsilanti at Eagle Crest Golf Club as the men's and women's MAC championships will be run out at that fine course. Eastern, the men's team last year has won the title. The women were not able to defend their championship as they weren't able to get back a lot of their star runners from the shortened COVID campaign. But we guarantee you something exciting will happen, and there's reason to be out there. It'll be free admission, but more importantly, Eastern could get championships 154 and 155 if all goes right. 
Well, we know Mid-American Conference uh, standards have been set by Eastern Michigan in terms of team championships, 153 already. It's not often that you can win two as a school and within an hour of each other. That is the opportunity that, yes, the cross-country teams will have on Saturday. I know Greg mentioned Eagle Crest Golf Course. Well, it's cross-country that's being run out there. They're being, uh, their course is getting laid out right now. It's getting painted as we speak. The cross-country teams will be out there. And Greg mentioned that one of the benefits about having it at a golf course, really viewer-friendly. So if you haven't had a chance to come out and watch the uh, teams run, it's always a championship opportunity when our cross-country teams are out there and a chance to do it at your home course does not happen very often. It's a rotating championship. It's been quite some time since Eastern Michigan has hosted. So a really cool opportunity. If you haven't seen our teams run, you want to support Eastern Michigan, spend some time out at Eagle Crest on Saturday. Um, a really great place to come watch. Very Because it's a golf course, very viewer-friendly, lots of concrete paths and the ability to uh, get around pretty easily and, of course, to see Eastern Michigan's championship of success hopefully continue. We also do have volleyball. They will be back at home on Friday and Saturday as Akron and Buffalo in attendance. You can come out, support the Eagles, and, and their goings-on still an opportunity for them to sneak into the MAC championship after uh, they went 1-2 and two last week, falling to top-seeded Bowling Green at the Stroh Center both times, but did show a lot of fight. We also do have an opportunity for people to catch men's basketball this week. They'll be at Oakland on Thursday night. Women's basketball will open up their exhibition play uh, against Concordia on Monday. We'll have a full hoops preview for you next week. But, oh boy, Alex, we have a lot going on. Well, we have a lot going on. We say that every week because it's true. Really good opportunity, though, if you want to follow some men's basketball for the first time. There's no audio or video stream for that game, but you could go up to Oakland and, and catch that I game. Think or, they, I think ESPN3 will actually have Oakland's Oh, game. ESPN3 yeah. will have it. So there you go. You can watch it there or you can go up or you can follow our social media. We'll be live tweeting some of the updates, of course, putting out some recaps and all of that. So really exciting time. We'll get much more into basketball next week. As you said, Greg, stay tuned. Next week we'll have Coach Stan Heath on. We'll also have Fred Castro, the women's basketball coach, so a full preview you and I will break down of some of what to expect. But before that comes uh, to fruition next week, plenty, plenty, plenty of sports coverage here on this edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. We've got uh, Eric Roof, the head baseball coach, along with Coach Creighton, and then a great opportunity the rest of the week to get out to campus, see all of your favorite Eagles and their respective teams, and to follow us on emueagles.com and social media all week long for the most up-to-date uh, happenings around the department. Alex has to get his Almond Joys ready. He's crushing them this Halloween week. It's true. Uh, he loves that stuff. No coconut for me? Come on, oh, let's I'm get a, a Washington McCollin. And let's be honest here, Greg. I mean, there's not many candies that I'll turn away, okay? But, you know, we all know that Almond Joy is a, a delectable candy. So if you think it's a dud, first off, you're a loser. And well, it's better than off, Milk Duds, though. Oh, they're better than Milk Duds for sure. And if you, if you, just, if you have the bag of candy at home, I'll be happy to take them off your uh, plate. You can send them to us here at the office, 799 North Hewitt, if you want, or I'll come pick them up if you have extra Almond Joy. I'm just saying, shameless plug, we'll take them here. They'll, they'll find a good home. Food always finds a good home in our office, though. It, it does. We don't turn food away, unlike Coach Creighton, who has to turn away the Snickers bar. In his interview, you'll hear why. Uh, that's coming up right on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast, the only place that talks Eastern every week. For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care however, wherever, and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be. 
Whether you're in the D or out to sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Transition to midweek football. Eastern Michigan played Bowling Green on Saturday. It's final regular season Saturday matchup when we're able to dominate the Falcons 55-24 using offense, defense, and special teams to be able to play all the required aspects of what you'd hope for in a big win. Uh, You look at that, you break it down. Your special teams excel, offense, defense. For you as a coach, what, what part makes you the most happiest looking back at the tape, seeing how your team performed? Well, I, I would say that it's it's the fact that we played in, in combination and we played, you know, complementary football um, is the key. You know, that the interception at the beginning of the second half, uh, you know, really got us going. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we muffed the punt early and uh that hurt us uh i could tell in in hoss's eye though that that he was gonna you know go off after that um had a great 25 yard punt return after that and had some great catches um but so when we blocked the punt for a touchdown uh, that was you know absolutely huge and then you know our kickoff that we recovered Mm -hmm. Just got caught up in the wind. That's that's tough, you know. Just hitting a tough spot for those guys. And then when we got that back, and then we were able to go and punch it in, um, you know, the special teams really did take over the game. Uh, you know, minus the one, the one muff punt. I don't think people realize how maybe strong that wind was at portions. Like you look at Jake Julian's kick punt at one point was high end over end spinning away and then you had a few different times it looked like even Chad's kickoffs were were not getting as far because it was right into the teeth of the breeze. Yeah, and so we knew that it was a wind tunnel and you know they were calling for about 10 mile an hour winds but um it wasn't a real windy day but the way the stadium sits it does um you know it moves mm-hmm. from what was our right to left pretty good uh, and it you know the wind <clears throat> first affects the kicking game and then it has a chance to affect the passing game Um, and it didn't affect the passing game but it did have some effect on the kicking game offensively you're able to get your tight ends very involved in the game three different tight ends are able to catch a touchdown pass you get the trick play that samson hits uh for a score and, and close it out you also able to to get a lot of different faces in there in playing time um again great building blocks for a lot of people who especially when you're able to play your second string offensive line late in the ball game yeah we just haven't had again, a, a ton of opportunities in the last, you know, few years since I've been here to, to do that. I mean, we were able to do that some earlier this year and, um, you know, you never an, anticipate something like that, but, you know, we got up on them and we're able to play, um, some guys who don't play as much and it's the, the reps, the experience, um, is so valuable. And then even just morale, uh, these guys, I mean, the first team guys don't work harder than, the second team guys are guys who don't travel. I mean, they all work mm-hmm. hard. And so, you know, be able to, to get guys into play um, is, is a good thing. You look at uh, what 
Dylan Drummond has been able to accomplish over the course of the, his career, and he continues to add to that number. Once again, uh, one of your leading wide receivers. But uh, a number that I found interesting, he's moved up to 17th longest in the country in active players with a reception. You figure all but maybe his first few games during his freshman campaign, he's caught a catch in, and that's been a reliable thing for your who's ever at quarterback to know he's out there and has their back. I know his first game, I want to say, was it Monmouth or Mississippi Valley? Uh, I think Monmouth. And he, uh, you know, figured that out. Yeah, it was. Uh, he had, I think, two catches his very first game yep. his freshman year. Big third down. And um, what game was it? Yeah, Monmouth. Monmouth, yeah. So, you know, he has been, and, and we knew that he was going to come in, uh, you know, ready. He's really bright. Um runs great routes and and yeah so he has absolutely been a consistent force for us at the wide receiver position defensively we'll touch on that uh it was a game where some people made homecomings and mikey haney grows up not too far from from bg having played at toledo you've got a lot of guys from that northwest ohio base and, and those guys really in particular found ways to excel Great, uh, big day for Mikey Haney. Uh, big day for Carter Stagner. Didn't play as much on on defense, you know. Still coming back, but uh, got to play on special teams after being out for, you know, uh, really the the whole season. Um, and then, you know, obviously Gunner Oaks. Mm -hmm. You know, Gunner Oaks. I mean, catching a touchdown and having uh, some significant playing time is is right there from Swanton and uh, Zach Walling was at the game yep. as well and. Um, probably forgetting somebody, but you know, yeah, we we do recruit uh, Northwest Ohio, and um, guys uh, came up big. The other thing that I noticed, and you don't recognize it as the game's going on, but post game, it's close. It was able for a lot of your non-travel guys to make the trip. They were there in full force, cheering on their teammates. I mean, I caught up with a lot of them post game. That's also a good feeling to watch them pick their teammates up from the stands, even though they can't play. Yeah, I think that's part of our culture, uh, something that we're all proud of. I'm not surprised, but yeah, seeing guys that weren't able to travel, you know, drive down on their own and, and be there um, because that's where they wanted to be. Um, yeah, that's a big deal to me. I think it's a big deal to everybody in our program. We're still nine plus days away from when you played Toledo, so I'm not going to ask you this week to break down the Rockets or whatnot, but an interesting thing that you said in your press conference was we lost more than one game last year, but... Toledo really beat us. Uh, how much does that still, you think, back to last year's game? You were close early, and it just seemed that they started to pull away, and you are never able to really make that a close game. Yeah, that, uh, again, I mean, we lost. We're I think we had three fourth-quarter leads last year that we lost. That was not the case, you know, in the Toledo game. Now, we fought to the, to the bitter end, but the game was over. Um, you know, I know – just any athlete, any coach does, you know, when you're in it and when you're at afterwards, you know, when you get outplayed, outcoached. And um, that happened last year. I mean, Toledo came in here and played, uh, played really well, played really hard and, um, and they, and they beat us. Uh, so we've had some, some really good contests with those guys, you know, the year before was at their place mm -hmm. and went to overtime, had a chance to win it in regulation and, and, uh, and didn't. Um, and then at 18, we had them here and, and beat them. Um, so I can't remember every, every game, but you know, they're, they're always good. Mm -hmm. Um, 
their recruiting rankings are always at the very top. You know, they're always picked uh, to be at the top. I uh, know that's where I had them. And uh, so we've got our work cut out for us. And we're, we're excited for the opportunity. We know we're playing a really well coached and a, a, a really talented football team, you know, in our league. And, uh, you know, we're, we've got a couple extra days, as do they, uh, to, to mend up and to get good plans together and get a great start on the week academically as, you know, the end of the semester is just right around the corner and, um, and give everything that we have, you know, next, uh, next Tuesday evening. The bright lights of television will take full force in the glass bowl, a 7.30 kick on ESPN2. Uh, this championship race down the stretch is going to play out in full view of the country. Your team right now, really in the thick of it. Uh, and, and how important is it for Eagle Nation to either be at the Glass Bowl or make sure they're watching on TV? Because there's not too many opportunities this program has to be the front and center uh, game of the night. Yeah, we we really appreciate Eagle Nation. Um, I, our student body has been phenomenal this year. And, uh, you know, it's 45 minutes away. Um, and then, uh, like you said, it'll be on ESPN, too. But we'd much rather have them in green uh, sitting right behind us making noise and, and uh, cheering us on. So, um, you know, our entire side of the league, we're either all tied for second or all tied for last, um, <laughs> however you want to look at it. But, uh you know, Northern has really um, gotten off to a great start in the conference and they've got a lot of football left and as do all of us um, and uh, none bigger than this one against Toledo. Coach Creighton, our final moments with him. We'd be remiss if it's not, uh, it is Halloween this weekend coming up. And I know that there's two things that Alex and I love the most and that's food and or candy. <laughs> so I have to ask, Mike Leach got the comment question the other day. And his question on the field was, what's your favorite candy bar? I know there's a giant Snickers bar that resides behind your desk. Yeah. Mike Leach, though, said his favorite, Almond Joy. I'm not a coconut guy. So, Coach Creighton, what is the go-to candy in your house? Well, I can tell you that there, there will no, not be any Snickers bars um, in our house. Uh, that goes back to 2002. But that is my favorite candy bar. It, it, it just has to still your res ability to resist it. I don't know that I have that willpower. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's not over yet, but uh, I'm not going to have one of those until until we do what we said we're going to do. So, um, yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot of lot of close seconds uh, for me, but they're all they're all seconds. All seconds. <laughs> and then the final question is: Growing up. We all remember that Halloween costume that we were. What's that Halloween costume for you? Oh, my dad helped me uh, become R2-D2 out of a bunch of cardboard boxes um, one year. He did an awesome job with it. I was pretty young. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, my R2-D2 was, was my go-to. Now, when my son was born, I went out to Wabash practice as Darth Vader um, because uh, – Luke, I am your father. Uh, and he was just a couple months old. So I had him in a little get up and we both had our lightsabers and I think I coached a practice as Darth Vader. So, um, but as a kid, it was R2-D2. That's impressive. I never pegged you as a Star Wars kind of guy. Oh, I mean, that was right in my prime. It came out in 77. Yeah. I mean, I was eight years old. 
Could we see a repeat costume performance this year? <laughs> I think I, I may have come out in something last year, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We need to make this building a haunted house. But we'll see. That'll, that'll be fun. Coach, we really appreciate your time. Enjoy a few extra days and best of luck when we see you next at Toledo. Thanks so much. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Your home for all things Eastern all the time. Eric Ruth is the head coach of the EMU baseball team, and today he's a guest on the Eastern Insider Podcast. His team just wrapped up a fall ball slate that saw them play their annual Green and White World Series against each other. Also played two exhibitions in the fall, one against Michigan, one against Catalog College, a predominant perennial powerhouse in the JUCO ranks. Coach, first and foremost, great to have you on. It's been a while since we've talked to you. It's been since spring. And I know that fall ball for a coach is a really, really important time to get into the swing of baseball. Everybody typically thinks of the springtime, but but these days that you get with your team in the fall are critical for what the team will look like in the spring, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, first of all, thanks for having me on, but the fall is a huge opportunity for us to work on our development. Um, last year, just in the middle of the pandemic, we weren't able to do some of the things that we were able to do this fall. Last fall, we weren't able to play those exhibition games. Um, last fall, parents couldn't come out. Recruits couldn't come out. So it's changed a little bit this fall, which has been nice. It's been exciting to get back to uh, more of a normal fall for us. And it's great for our players to be able to play against each other every single day. We had 28 practices. We had the two exhibition games, one against Michigan, one against Kellogg, like you mentioned. We had our scout day earlier this year as well. And just a, a great opportunity for our guys to um, continue to improve and continue to develop on the things that they need to work on. Well, let's talk about that scout day, too, because that was just last week. And your program is one that has seen some success in the last four years of players moving on to the next level, getting drafted just this year. Justin Mice taken in the 10th round, uh, another draft pick under you as the head coach. And really, I, I mean, let's just put it how it is. There's been years where scout day is maybe five or six people. I mean, there was well over 20 scouts in attendance. There's been scouts all fall ball long. What does that say about the roster that uh, you have on this team this year? And also about the direction of the program that so many people from around major league baseball are are starting to respect to the, to the point where they're coming back and really want to see your guys play in the fall. No doubt. That's a huge part of our uh, recruiting pitch that we tell our guys is, Hey, we want you to come in here, win a championship. We want you to come in here and get your degree once you come in here and be a huge impact in um, our community but also we want you to, to do our job to get you to the next level and have the opportunity to potentially get drafted so four out of the last five years we've had guys get drafted the only year we didn't was the COVID year in 2020 when the major league draft was um, shortened to five rounds so it's cool to see guys have that opportunity you know and baseball it's a little bit different than those other sports you have the opportunity to get drafted as a junior or as a senior um, if you redshirted your, your third year removed from high school so um, that's a tremendous opportunity for our guys you know we had a bunch of scouts out there at Scout Day, like you said, there was 20 plus scouts at there for scout day, but not only for that scout day, there were also at least five or six other practices or exhibition games that we had uh, major league scouts to come watch our guys play. So that just shows you we've got some talented guys on the roster. We got a talented group and um, they're excited to see what, you know, um, what they've improved on since last spring. 
wins and losses in an exhibition game in the fall ultimately don't matter. So we won't dwell on it, you know whether you beat Kellogg by how many runs or how you played Michigan. But what does matter the most is the development of the players individually and as a team getting to come together collectively. Um, a lot of returning players for your squad this year. Some key newcomers that I know that you expect to be a part of the lineup and to make key contributions to your efforts as well. Give me a little bit of a rundown on two or three returning guys that you saw this fall that maybe impressed you in terms of either just building on what they've already done or some guys that uh, really, really use this fall to improve and make an impact. Yeah, like you mentioned, um, the wins and losses, maybe not as much of a factor, just the process. And then each year is a completely new team. So you want to see, all right, what does the culture look like with this team? What does the speed look like with this team? What does the power look like with this team? Returning guys that impressed us, um, Danny Workington had a great fall. He had a great fall. He's a guy that's been a good piece to our middle of our order, a third baseman for us. Taylor Hopkins is a guy that's excited us since day one and continues to excite us. Um, he continues to find a way to get better and better. I think Zach Fruits making some huge strides on the mound, developing um, some off-speed pitching and uh, maybe even transition is to more of a starter this year. Um, some of the new guys that stuck out, uh, Brady Hubie is a transfer from Northern Illinois, had a really great fall for us. Cole Rubner, uh, incoming guy, is a freshman for us. Um, outfielder, Played really well. And then uh, another guy named Frank Volkers, a uh, transfer from Nyack, right-handed pitcher that's done a really good job for us this fall. So we're really excited about those guys, excited about the guys that returned and um, looking to continue to build that momentum from fall ball now, which is transitioning into individuals, which is another part of our development process. Key part of the development process, obviously, will be going through the rest of the fall and the winter. As Coach Roof mentioned, they'll transition to more individual work, pick up practices again in the winter, and then baseball season hits early. They'll be back right before you know it. You mentioned already how key the development of players is, and coaches play a large role in that, and you've had a little bit of a shakeup in your staff this year. A.J. Ochter departing to his next journey as your pitching coach, and uh bringing in Aaron Hilt from Ashland University. We'll talk about Aaron Hilt for in just a second, but also uh, I know that A.J. Ochter made an incredible, incredible impact on this program, and I know he's uh, someone that you'll remain close with. Your thoughts on the contributions that he was able to make in his time here? Yeah, it's really special to have the opportunity to work with him as a coach, have the opportunity to play with him as a player, and then um, you know keep keep your eyes on him as a uh, you know going into our professional career. Um, just really fortunate to have A.J and our staff uh, years past and, uh, you know, excited for him and for his family and, and for Katie and Ruby as well as he transitions kind of out of the game. But our guys were very fortunate to learn a lot from AJ and for AJ to help a program out that, uh, you know, as an interim coach, you needed a guy you could rely on to help out and he did a great job for us. Now, with that comes a major, major decision for a head coach, finding the right person to bring in to a program. We know that you landed on Aaron Hilt. We'll talk about his resume, as I said, in just a few seconds. As a head coach, though, when you're confronted with the news that you'll lose your pitching coach, you have to bring somebody in. For you, what are the checkboxes that you lay out to yourself of, okay, we have to hit these things when we bring somebody new into the program? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first thing that you want to hit on is – looking at the staff as a whole. So 
So if you're looking at a staff as a whole, what do we have currently on their staff? And what, do we, what are our needs? Um, in this situation, when we were looking to hire a pitching coach who ended up being Aaron Hill, we were looking for a guy that has experience, college experience. I didn't really care the level, but he needed to have experience recruiting. He needed to have experience on the recruiting trail. He needed to have experience developing players. He needed to have experience um, kind of laying out his vision of the, the pitching staff and laying out his vision of um, what a program should look like. So experience was a big thing. I think, um, you know, another thing that you're looking at is probably like location, right? So like a, a guy that's close to home, a guy that's close to this area that has had some experience recruiting Ohio kids, Michigan kids, junior college kids, high school kids, now transfer portal kids. So the experience of that was big. Um, developing guys, winning, you know, he's come from a winning program. So um, he's done a tremendous job with his pitchers. He's had two guys get drafted. Two guys are in the big leagues. You know, that's coming from Ashland University. So really excited to have him and his family and his wife um, on board with the program. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit of Aaron Hilt's resume. You bring him in and, and to put it frankly, certainly one of the best young coaching resumes, maybe in the country as a pitching coach. His staffs at Ashland have consistently been at the top of, of that league. Uh, multiple times has had NCAA statistical champions on the mound. Um, two MLB players that you mentioned, multiple other professional players in his time as the pitching coach. Of course, he was a standout player himself there before moving on to a few different stops and then returning to Ashland to be a coach. When you have him here now in your bullpen, what is the style that he brings that maybe we'll see out of the pitchers moving forward? Yeah, he's got a, uh, a tremendous personality, but he brings on, on top of the, uh, you know, um, the experience that he brings. He also brings like just a mental um, attitude, just the mentality of, of going out there and competing which I think is really exciting. It's something that's a little bit, um, you know, maybe unorthodox or outside of the box, but he brings just a different fire to the staff that I think will enhance the staff that we already have. So he's a guy that uh, is a fiery guy. He wants the pitchers to take the ball. He wants those guys to be a bulldog. bulldog. He wants those guys to go out there and attack guys, whether that's, you know, starting on the weekend and coming out of the pen, coming out of the pen to start and then going as a starter. So just a different way of uh, maybe thinking outside of the box. And um, we're really excited to see how that can kind of be implemented into our program. But we'll look forward to seeing how that roster shakes out and what those rules look like. I know we'll have to get more into that as you guys prep for gameplay in the spring. And as we continue to talk with Aaron Roof, the head baseball coach, about his team's fall ball efforts this year, it's also another important time for you uh, this fall and every fall because it's crowdfunding time. And I know that's a big way that your team is able to put things in front of the players that give them such a good student athlete experience here. Your diamond club does a great job of helping you fundraise and really you're looking for some help again this year. Um, still some time left to get involved with the baseball crowdfunding campaign in 2021 already have raised close to $12,000. I know the goal is to get a little bit more than that. If you're interested, you can go to emueagles.com or you can go to the Eastern Michigan's university website and click on the development page and find the campaign there. All that being said, Coach, I know that your development campaigns, your crowdfunding campaigns, they're not going to flashy things. These are going 
to necessities to give your student athletes the best experience possible. Talk a little bit about the importance of what it does for your team to have the support and then what this year's funds will be going towards if somebody may choose to help out monetarily. Yeah, well, our Diamond Club is a, a group of guys that played here um, that have done a tremendous job of helping out, giving back. They want to give up back to the program, give back um, to our current players to enhance the program in any ways we've had possible. So this year's money that we're raising, we're going to go back to uh, – Bring back the cream jerseys. The cream jerseys are jerseys that we used to have a couple years ago. We faded them out. Now we're looking to bring them in with a new style, new font, um, new characteristics there. And then also um, padded walls behind home plate. So padded walls that will help those back, those pass balls, wild pitches lead to runs. I work with the catcher, so it's our job to catch the ball. But we're on the offensive side of things. We want to make sure that all those pass balls, we can take another 90 feet uh, free base and hopefully some runs. So, um, yeah. If you're looking to help the program, the Diamond Club uh, has our crowdfunding campaign going right now. And um, we're looking for that goal to 15000 But in years past, we've raised $20,000, $18,000. So we can always um, get a little bit more there. But that's a huge part of our program to help our guys get the things that they need. In years past, it's been for a Rapsodo or it's been for um, maybe a machine. But this year, we're using it for cream jerseys and for those padded walls behind um, the backstop. Well, I know I speak for you and the entire team when I say that every uh, penny is really appreciated. We know that it's been a tough couple of years for everybody, but everybody that's able to help out is really appreciated. And it, it goes a long way with the student athletes and their experience. here. Yeah, everything goes directly into the program. So 100 percent of the money raised goes right back to the program. So we appreciate all the help so far. And we're looking to make one last push before um, you know the semester's over. We'll get you out of here on two quick ones. First off is. You let Greg Steiner and I take over in the dugouts for a little bit of a fall ball game. I was able to come out on top of Greg 3-0. I'm going to flaunt it forever until next year, and hopefully I'll, I'll do it again. Coach of Perspective, what did you see out of me that you liked as a coach? Hey, you came out hungry. I think it was a two-inning game, and you came out of the gates hot. I think the final score is three nothing. Um, I saw a sacrifice bunt with one out, which led to two runs. Um, so that was a big opportunity offensively. And then I saw a mound visit late in the game with the tying run at the plate and Gabe Denton, and you found a way to get out of it. So I was taking <laughs> notes back and forth. Next year, it's not going to be a two inning game. It's going to be a seven inning game, nine inning game, maybe a three game series, something like that. But I just loved having you guys out there. The guys loved it. And uh, it was cool to, to shake up the fall and add that to um, an exciting fall already. Well, it was great for us and can't thank you enough for letting us do that. And uh, coming out hungry is probably the maybe the best way to that, that can be described. Me described on the baseball diamond or in my office or wherever uh, you may be describing me at any time of the year. Lastly, coach, uh, Halloween weekend coming up. I know we've talked to a bunch of different coaches. Coach Creighton is a fan of the Snickers bar, although he won't eat one, hasn't eaten one in over 10 years until he wins a championship. That's his pledge to himself. Wow. Eric Roof, what's your go-to Halloween candy of choice? Ooh, great question. Um, I probably like just the peanut M&Ms. The peanut M&Ms is a good thing. I don't think it just stops in the Halloween season. I think it continues <laughs> into our season. I think it continues in the summer schedule when you're out recruiting. Um, you can't go wrong with a little chocolate and little peanuts in there. Well, that sounds like a good plan to me. We're going to let you get to back to your fundraising, your fall ball, and your peanut M&Ms. We'll take a short break on the Eastern Insider Podcast. Greg and I, right back after this to wrap this episode up. 
This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.